98.7 FM. FM, Arizona's sports station. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then I'll begin. Okay. Arizona sports goes local. Local. That is awesome. We're giving the mic to local hosts right here in Phoenix. Whoa, snap. Because what's a Saturday without sports? FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. We are back in studio, at least, here on this Arizona Sports Saturday, your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. And guess who else is back, ladies and gentlemen? Not just myself, Mitch Vereldis, not just Trevor Henry behind the glass. Steve Zinsmeister is back after the two-week absence. Hello, Mitch. Steve. Hello, Mitch. I missed you dearly. How are you? I am doing well. I am super prepared to overreact to a preseason NFL game. Oh, my gosh. Me, too. Okay. I'm so ready. Let's make two hours out of nothing. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I want to start by saying that Victor Dimukeji is going to have a 15-sack season. All right. Your turn. Bless you. Um... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> What's funny about these preseason games is that we see a lot of players play in these games that mm-hmm. we're probably not going to see a whole lot of during the regular season. Last night, you saw two quarterbacks play for the Arizona Cardinals, Trace McSorley and Jarek Guarantano. I told you I was going to try to avoid saying that name today. I did it in the first two seconds of the show. Yeah, we're at 11.03 um, on the dot. Here we I don't, are. I don't expect to see much of either of them during nope. the regular season. No. Running the football, the most carries on the team, Keontae Ingram. I, I don't know how much you're going to see of him during the regular season. McSorley, we already talked about. Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward. So you don't see the top two quarterbacks. You don't see the top two running backs. You don't see most of the receivers. So you got to take everything that we talk about today with a grain of salt. A grain of a grain of salt. Yeah. So I... I but we'll draw some conclusions during today's show, but oh, don't take anything as gospel. Well, here's here's what we do know. There's definitely stuff to take away, not just from the game itself, but more so the focus for us, as we talked in pre-show, is more so on the position groups. Would you like to start with running backs or on defense? Um, let's do running backs. I think that's an interesting conversation. So the big lead-up really, to this preseason game and throughout most of training camp has been one name, and that name's been Eno Benjamin. And the thing about Eno Benjamin that's caught a lot of people's attention is that this is year this is year three for him, is it not? Year three for him. This is kind of a big deal for him because the first two, and Cliff mentioned it earlier in the week, like he was afraid that Eno wasn't even going to make it in the NFL. He was afraid that he was never going to reach that point, that he was quality or going to be a quality NFL running back. And... With all of the excitement for what everybody has been saying in camp, all the things he's been doing, last night kind of let me down, not going to lie. And he, granted, he didn't get a lot of carries. I wasn't expecting him to get a lot of action. But 5 for, t- five for 14 does not set a great precedent based off everything we've heard leading up to this. No, it's not a great average. Under under three yards per carry. He did have a seven-yarder was his long ball of the night. But, nah, again, not much opportunity there. I think the, the grander conversation around the running back room is you've got really like five guys that could end up making the team. 
I think a lot of people have it in their minds that you, you probably don't keep more than four. So the obvious one, James Conner, right, comes he, back. He's good. He's he going to start. scored a ton of touchdowns last season. I think he's going to have fantasy running back uh value this year that people are going to overreach for. 100%. James Conner is the starting running back of the Arizona Cardinals. Even more so this year than last year when he was splitting time with Chase Edmonds at times. Um, Then you've got Daryl Williams, who was brought in from the Chiefs in free agency, veteran minimum contract, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. That's a guy who's capable of running for 1,000 yards in a season. Pretty good player to have on your squad. Mm -hmm. Then you get into the more questions. Eno Benjamin, who, like you mentioned, a couple years into the league, uh, the team seems to be really excited about him. The coaching staff seems to be excited about the the leaps that he's taking this season. Keontae Ingram, who was... Was he a late round pick? He was like he was a mid round. round. Mid to late the round USC pick. The running back. He's, he's built. Good he's college built. career. Uh, a young guy with a lot of talent. That's a guy I'd like to see stick around. But then you also have Jonathan Ward, who, by the way, last night, I would say Jonathan Ward stood out. He only had six carries for 15 yards. That's not any more impressive than Eno. But he did score twice. He scored when they needed him to. So, as and, did Ingram. And as we know, Jonathan Ward plays a key role on special teams as well for this team. Mm-hmm. So... It's a five running back room where most teams don't keep more than four, especially with the position being so rotational. I don't know. If if you had to pick one of those guys that doesn't make the team, I'm not sure where I stand on that yet. Okay, how about this? If I broaden it out a little bit. If the 53rd man comes down to whether or not they want to keep a fifth running back or if they want to keep a third quarterback, I'd where rather, are you leaning? I'd rather keep a fifth running back. I agree. Mostly because I think if you, let's say Trace McSorley is your third quarterback, I think you could probably stash him on the practice squad, and I think I don't think he gets picked up by an actual like 53-man roster. No, I, I, don't. Don't, I don't think that'll be the case for Jarek Guarantano either, and that's not a knock on their abilities, because Trace no. was really good last night. What it's, a not, what it's not a knock on is the fact that this roster doesn't need extreme depth at the quarterback position. They know who their quarterback's going to be. And even behind him, they know who their quarterback's going to be. Cliff Kingsbury last night, his thoughts on the running backs. Yeah, I have to watch the tape and see what was there. But um, nice to get Eno in, in a starting role um, beginning of that game. And then Ward came in, had a couple touchdowns. And then I thought Key ran the ball well, stayed low, and caught a couple nice passes. So um, they've, they've had nice camps, and we just got to keep it going. So we've, we've got two more weeks to figure out, or not we do. The Cardinals have two more weeks to figure out who they're going to keep, if they're going to keep all five. I think in the one scenario that I presented, it's obvious, take five running backs. But, you know, there's other position groups that maybe you need a little more depth in. And one guy who rather stood out last night was wide receiver Greg Dorch. Yeah, he especially in special teams. Last minute option. That one punt return was really impressive. Well done. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you on Dorch. I think there could be a role for him at the tail end of the wide receiver room, especially in special teams. Um, that is a player that stood out to me. Other takeaways, I know this isn't like a super exciting thing to talk about at any point in the season, but Matt Prater missing kicks. It was weird. It was weird. and uh, He I'm, made the 27-yard field goal, but he missed the two 33 extra points. And maybe it was it was just even more highlighted by the fact that Evan McPherson was knocking home everything from like 
You're from 58 and from 56. Yeah, so I don't know if maybe that added to it, but Matt Prater missing the first kick of the season. Uh, Hopefully he's just getting it out of his system now. I would hope so, because I don't imagine he's going to lose his job unless he just flat out can't kick anymore. No, he's not losing his job. I'm not worried about that. But you got to make sure that this isn't some sort of issue, that it's just, okay, knocking off some of the rust at the beginning of a season. I'd rather it be that. I'm I'm with you there. Really quickly looking at the defensive performance last night. I think you and I both agree that the clear standout was the guy who got in the backfield two times. Victor Demukeji credited with two sacks and a tackle for loss yesterday. Demukeji was asked about his performance yesterday with the Cardinals broadcast team. The first one, it was I think it was a play action pass. You know, I felt them um, you know, attack me and then I felt them leaning, so I just I got off, you know, I hit him with a club, um, clubbed his outside hand and got to the quarterback. And the second one, it was two minute. And um, you know, when it's two minute, I know it's time to, you know, pin my ears back and go. So I just I just had to go. I had to I just started rushing, you know, I had a plan for him. You know, hit him with power, get him leaning, and then get uh, get his outside hand, you know, stab club. Um, that's one of my go-tos, so I feel like I was able to execute those right. And it's one of those performances that can make or break your roster spot, and this is a team that lost a significant edge rusher in Chandler Jones this offseason, and if Demu Cagey can keep playing up to this level, he's in, a good ch- he's in a good spot. Yeah, I thought he was probably the most impressive, especially statistically speaking. Um, some other quick things defensively that I saw, Rashard Lawrence had a tackle for loss. I thought he showed up on the highlight reel a handful of times. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who, along with Lucky Fotu, they were drafted at a similar point in the draft. Same position, both nose tackles, a position that really has been up in the air for the Cardinals for the last couple of seasons. Right. Um, So I'd like to see more from Rashard Lawrence. I was glad to see him show up a little bit. I did see a play, too, where Marco Wilson was beat pretty bad and his adjustment on a a deep ball. It it looked like like a corner route. His adjustment was to interfere with the receiver, and the receiver still yeah. caught the ball, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, not a great night for Marco, to be honest. And that's a guy, I don't, are we calling him a starter? I, I Kind of by association. Cliff wants him to be, but that infamous quote from a couple weeks back, the jury's still out on him. Yeah. And he knows it, too. He understands what his job is. And I think that if... If he, if he can't provide any proof in these final two preseason weeks, I would hope that the Cardinals would get more aggressive in trying to shore up the cornerback room's depth. I think one of my big takeaways, especially defensively, because we saw Zayvon Collins. That's obviously like the biggest name that we want to see in preseason. Like We want to see improvement. Right. But I think the biggest thing you have to remember is as the preseason goes along, as they play more games, we're going to see more of those types of players. And eventually we will see some starters play. Some more starters, not just the Marco Wilsons and the Zayvon Collins, the young guys. But we'll start to see, at some point, I think we'll see Kyler Murray. I think we'll start to see some of the defensive starters as well. Coming up next, what, you thought we were going to go a whole Saturday without talking about Kevin Durant? Who? Well, guess what? Apparently he's got a new favorite team he wants to play for. Is it the Suns? I don't know. We'll tell you next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. Welcome back to Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Veraldis with you on this beautiful weekend. Overreacting to NFL preseason games. Yesterday we were overreacting to weather. Really? It was pretty weird here in the Valley last night. It was gnarly, but... You know, it's it's fun to watch everybody gawk out the window. That was my 
entertainment before the game yesterday. The storm certainly arrived yesterday. What didn't arrive yesterday uh, was one Kevin Durant. There was some weird. Wait, what? There was one like weird story this week that Kevin Durant was supposed to be in town. John Campadora reported that he was coming to town. Was that Thursday night? So the way that Gambo phrased it on the show, and let me just pull up the cut here because I know it was pulled. But the way Gambo phrased it on the show, it didn't sound like something he was confident in putting out a reporting-wise, but this is what he said. Listen, I'm hearing, and and take it for what it's worth, okay? I'm hearing that Kevin Durant is expected to be in the Valley tonight. Now, again, I have no... It could be for a hundred reasons. He obviously can't meet with the Suns. He's on the contract with another team. So I will say this. I've, I have heard that he's expected to be in the Valley tonight, arriving you know, later tonight, um, but I have no reason as to why he's here, and I would... And I have heard nothing about like him and the Suns, because obviously he can't meet with the Suns. But then we see more reporting later that apparently he never actually landed in Phoenix, and instead he landed in Los Angeles. Yeah. Out other outside reports. I don't know what to make of all that. So my first reaction to him coming to Phoenix is, like, he doesn't do that by accident. No. Like, you don't just... Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Like, that's not a Phoenix thing. You know, like, you could do that with L.A., Chicago, New York, maybe sure. even Philadelphia. Like, eh, I was in the neighborhood. A Let's hang out. place where you happen to have a nice house. That probably. doesn't really happen in Phoenix. Although, I, a lot of athletes come here for Scottsdale or, you know, the nightlife. I get that. Yeah, but I get not that. in August when it's pouring rain sideways. Not usually. No. Not usually. So that's an interesting aspect of the story. But also, not only was it last week's story about how Kevin Durant met with the Nets owner to basically tell him, hey, either me or Steve Nash and uh, and uh, Marks, the GM. Sean Marks. So pick one, me or them. And the owner basically picked them. Now we find out that Kevin Durant might actually have a favorite team that he wants to go to, and it might not be Phoenix after all. Yeah, looks like he wants to reunite with James Harden. What? Again. For the... Again. Yeah. So what? this would be the th- okay. So wait, so together he- in OKC, drafted together, not together together, but right. both drafted to OKC, played for OKC, and were all on that team that went to the NBA Finals. And then Harden left, wanted money, and then eventually they both found their way to Brooklyn, as Harden, uh, you know, forced his way out. It was easy for him to force his way out, given how much weight he put on that off season. And then Harden forced his way out of Brooklyn to go to Philly. And I guess the pieces that we have to put together now is because he was tired of dealing with Kyrie Irving. So according to SNY's Ian Begley, the uh, the new story is that Kevin Durant is interested or views the seven, 76ers and Celtics as desired landing spots. Now, as you recall, this whole Durant thing started when he basically said that Phoenix was his desired Phoenix and Miami, but strong lean towards Phoenix. Well, in Miami, everybody would love to live and play in Miami. I think that's like anybody would put them on the list regardless of how good the team is. And they have a good team. And they got a pretty nice city to live in, as you mentioned. But I have a feeling that this is what happened here. I think Kevin Durant said, you know what? I want to go to Phoenix. I want to play with Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Monty Williams. And I think the Nets and Suns had conversations, you know, over the course of the last, what, month and a half or however long it's been. And they just couldn't figure out a deal. And then the DeAndre Ayton offer sheet from Indiana really messed up a lot of that. 
and made it much more difficult. Not impossible, but made it more difficult to land a trade for Durant. Correct. And so if you're the Suns, you're like, well, I'm just, we're just not going to do that deal. We're not going to overpay for Kevin Durant. We're going to pay what we are comfortable with paying. And the Nets are like, well, then we don't have to do that deal. And yep. here we are a month later, and now Kevin Durant is like, well, maybe I need to open myself up to a couple of other places that might be able to put together better packages than the Suns to get me. Yeah, if anything, he's probably looking at it from, okay, this is taking way too long. I asked to be out a month ago, and I'm still not moved. And now you're actually trying to make it more the benefit of you than the benefit of me? Come on, man. Why are you doing it that way? So now I'm going to open up my opportunities to these two other teams that happen to play in the same division as the Brooklyn Nets and make sure that you can make packages with them so that I can get what I want, at least in some secondary form of way. And if you're the Celtics... I think you have the best package, probably, or at least the best individual player you could throw into a deal, and that's Jalen Brown. Yes. So I think if you're Durant, it's funny for him to come out and say, well, these are my new preferred landing spots, because he doesn't really have the power here. The Nets do. They can make whatever deal they want. Did he ever have the power? I thought he had some power just because of the way this league has gone. Like when Kevin Durant says, I want to be traded, they tried to trade him. But none of those guys just signed a four-year extension. All those guys were either in the final year or final two, and it made it easy to move off of them. I think it would be disingenuous to say he had no power. That's fair. I have always thought the Nets had more power, but let's not kid ourselves. Kevin Durant says, I want to be traded. I mean, that sends ripple effects throughout the league. And this is a player's league, and we're also talking about one of the top five in the league right now. Come on. He's got a lot of strength in this. I would think a Celtics deal would probably focus around Jalen Brown, maybe Marcus Smart, who, by the way, just won Defensive Player of the Year as a guard. That mm-hmm. hasn't happened in like 20 years. However, he's not going to be a piece because that's who KD wants to play with in Boston. So he Okay, can't that complicates Smart. things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, really, I mean, I, I read this week that Robert Williams was untouchable in a deal for Kevin Durant. Well, look, this team just went to the, the finals and lost. They don't want to blow it up. No. They've got a good young core put together between Tatum, Brown, Smart, and Williams. And are are the Nets really willing to do another deal with the Celtics? Does nobody remember how that went last time? Oh, they got burned pretty hard last time. The Celtics got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum from those picks that they stole from the Nets when they basically sent over uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett at the end of their careers and sucked. Which is interesting because looking back on it, I didn't realize that it was that much of a buy at that time. Because once Ray Allen left that Boston Celtics triumvirate, it seemed like, oh, well, he knows that this is just going downhill. And those and particular did. players did. And, and they moved did. him to Brooklyn, and Brooklyn got Brooklyn got gypped in that trade. Now, the 76ers are a little interesting because, obviously, you would still have Joel Embiid and James Harden, right? We talked about the connections with Harden. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. It never appeared that Harden and Durant had issues in Brooklyn. I think Harden's issues were with Kyrie Irving, much right. like everyone else in this league. Everyone else in this world. Everyone this- teams up with Ky- Kyrie Irving, and then they find out, oh, this guy doesn't really love basketball. Everyone else on this flat earth that he would say I read probably has an issue with him. I, I read something somewhere this week about how Kyrie Irving was trying to negotiate into his contract that he doesn't have to play more than 60 games. Oh, I'm the like, Rick Buecher report? I'm like, how much more do you have to scream and yell that you don't love basketball? You're not committed. These guys love hoop, man. They love the hoop. The Sixers could put together a package around Tyrese Maxey. 
uh, who I think is a really good player. I'll tell you what, our buddy, Bible, Bob, our buddy Bobby Marks actually broke down what a trade might look like between Brooklyn and Philly. The pieces are there, certainly when you look at Harris and Maxi and, and Thibel for Durant. But from a draft pick perspective, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to trade Jane, uh, uh, Kevin Durant to a team in your conference... You want Jalen Brown back, right? That's the guy that you want back in a deal, and you want draft picks. This, for me, uh, doesn't make sense at all. Well, so if it doesn't make sense for Philly, and it doesn't make sense to Boston, and it doesn't make sense for Miami, and it doesn't make sense for Phoenix... We're back to square one. Yeah. We're back to the Nets not moving him at all. I mean, Phoenix... going in this giant circle. Pretty soon, it'll be the Pistons, and then Trevor's going to go nuts. The thing that still makes Phoenix so appealing in all of this is that, A, they're outside of their conference, so you wouldn't have to face Durant until the finals anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I guess the coast thing kind of matters. Regionality, like, you're sending him cross-country. I I don't know if that matters so much. I don't know. Look... The the pieces were there for a possible trade. You could get Mikel Bridges. You could probably get Cam Johnson and some other decent players. But that's not good enough for Brooklyn. They own Clearly. all their own picks, which is something that would appeal to Brooklyn a little bit at least. Like I, it's still, and it appeals to Kevin Durant. He wants to be here, which is something that we've never been able to say about a player, a superstar player in the NBA. Not recently, no. Outside of Chris Paul, I think Chris Paul was. The most significant I want to be in Phoenix player in like a decade plus. Because the team hasn't been good for that long. Before that, the only other one was like LaMarcus Aldridge. Remember that whole mess? But even then, he didn't come here. He didn't pick him. He yeah. went to San Antonio because he knew he was going to win there. And, well, I don't think he. We came in second there. in that race. And, and that's LaMarcus Aldridge. This is Kevin Durant. I don't know, but after reading this report that he's interested in the Celtics and the 76ers, I'm like, yeah, of course he should be interested in them. They're two of the best teams in the East. He should be interested in any team that's not the Brooklyn Nets. I'll say this. At this point, I'm kind of fatigued by the whole deal. And I'll feel a lot better when it's all said and done. But right now, it's somebody is slowly ripping off the Band-Aid on the back of Phoenix. And it's just get it over with, man. Last night's preseason matchup between the Cardinals and the Bengals. Starting quarterback Kyler Murray did participate in the game last night, just not on the field necessarily. We'll tell you what he was up to during the game. That's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. Taking off into the 2022 season, the Cardinals are hoping to soar like never before. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Arizona Sports Saturday. So if you remember, back on August 4th, Cliff Kingsbury, this was at the time Kyler was away from the team due to COVID recovery. But on that Saturday, get back together practice or the back together practice, looks like Kyler was calling some of the plays. And when Kingsbury was asked who told him to, they said we did. No, we had him do it. We wanted to get him, keep him involved. And um, he did a good job. It's just I would not want to play for Kyler Murray if I was a quarterback. He was the coach. Well, today I'm wondering how Jarrett Garantano feels. Because Kyler Murray called plays through the entire fourth quarter of yesterday's Cardinals and Bengals uh, win for the Cardinals. And look, just on a base, I don't have a problem with it. 
And the only reason I would have an issue with it is if he was, you know, leading them in a bad direction. But clearly, he was not leading them in a bad direction. Okay, so I initially will say this. I don't think that they allowed Kyler Murray to call plays so that he has experience calling plays. I don't think it's that simple. Uh Here's what I think is happening. Couple of things are happening here. Number one, the one thing I heard in that clip is keep him involved. I think that there is an aspect of this, good or bad, that they felt they needed to get him more mentally in the game than he has been in the past. In past seasons, let's talk regular season in particular. Sure. When the camera cuts to Kyler on the sideline, what is he usually doing? He's on the iPad. He's just sitting there. He's going through his plays. So usually yeah, he's, he's chilling. Usually he's not uh, talking a teammate through something or uh, talking with other guys. I mean, like I'm not saying that he doesn't do those things. This it's isn't just, like a negative call out. This is just an observation. He's kind of an aloof person. That's yeah. just kind of how he is. So for them, part of it is keeping him involved, like Cliff said. Another part of this is responsibility. I think that giving him this huge contract and signing him up for the next, what is it, six, seven seasons, yep. you're essentially saying, okay, we're not only just giving you money, but we're giving you responsibility too. We're going to put more on your shoulders. We're going to rely more on you because that's going to help you grow as a player, but it's also going to show the rest of the team that you're really invested in this. I think that's part of it. And then the third part is camaraderie and just being a good teammate because the younger quarterbacks, uh, Kyler has been the quarterback in training for the first three seasons of his career. But he's also been the first quarterback in that line of quarterbacks in training. He's the starter, but he's also been the mentee to the Colt McCoy mentor. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Now Kyler, with getting to call some plays, gets to be a little bit more of the mentor to some young quarterbacks, which I think can be a confidence booster as well. So I think there's a lot of different elements that go into this, more so than just Cliff Kingsbury joking about, like, well, he sucks at play calling. <laughs> I, I, I think there's more to it than just he got to call plays. Also, I think at the blanket level, too, he wasn't going to play yesterday. I think this is a unique way of at least getting him involved in some way, shape, or form so that he's ready to go when the season starts about a month from now. You gave your benefits. Cliff Kingsbury mentioned his benefits of Kyler calling plays. Yeah, what I've found is, you know, they'll call their favorite plays and sometimes they're not um, that open to tell you, hey coach, I don't like this, but I love this. And um, when they believe in a play and and call it on their own, they usually find a way to make it work. And, And that's always been my belief since I started coaching quarterbacks. You know, he brings up an interesting point. I never thought about it from that way. Because how many times has Kyler you know, check to play at the line that Kingsbury will call, and then he'll change it on the fly. Happens every now and then. Doesn't I suppose happen. it happens, yeah. It doesn't happen every single play, but, you know, Cliff had even joked a couple of weeks ago that Kyler will be shaking his head every time Cliff will call a play. From this experience and from this vantage point, you, as Kyler Murray, now have the opportunity to call what you like, and maybe it doesn't always work in your favor. Because you're seeing it from a different angle, or you're just calling it because you like it, but now you're understanding why that play doesn't work in that scenario. Yeah, I I almost felt like Cliff did this with the intent of showing Kyler how difficult it is. Or or to put him in his place a little bit, to humble him a little bit. And there's something to be said for that. Listen, not a lot of NFL head coaches are using up a quarter of their preseason game to allow their starting quarterback to call plays. You don't see Aaron Rodgers doing that. You don't see Patrick Mahomes doing that. 
You don't see Tom Brady doing that. Russell Wilson's not doing that. Most of these opportunities go to the offensive coordinators, especially with teams like the Cardinals, where the head coach is Is the the play caller. Yeah. So usually, I mean, remember when Bruce Arians used to call plays as the head coach of the Cardinals? Mm -hmm. Preseason games were an opportunity for him to hand the play calling sheet over to Harold Goodwin, who never got that opportunity as an offensive coordinator in this league, with the Cardinals in particular. Right. He would do the same with Byron Leftwich in the preseason when he was a young up-and-coming coach. These are when opportunities tend to go to young coaches, not to your starting quarterback. So I think Cliff and Kyler, in a way... Like, no other quarterback and head coach in the league are going to be tied together. Not only contractually are they tied together for the next, I don't know, six, I mean, seven they ent- years. They entered together, and at this rate, they're going to leave together. And that's not something you see around the league. Most guys who are drafted really high as a quarterback are drafted to bad teams, naturally. Sure. And those bad teams might still have a bad season. You're not going to get rid of the quarterback you just drafted high. You're going to get rid of the coach. How many head coaches have we seen uh, on bad teams like the Jaguars or the Bears or all these other teams that just cycle through coaches, but they keep that quarterback? Kyler's tied to Cliff. So Cliff is doing this as a way to say, hey, man, we're tied at the hip. I need you to understand what I'm going through. And sometimes you just got to find the right fit. I mean, look at Matthew Stafford after 12 years in Detroit. Goes to L.A., pairs up with Sean McVay, and it turns out to be to his benefit, obviously. They won the Super Bowl. And then to your point about keeping the star quarterback but getting through the coaches, the Jaguars are now on their second head coach with new product Trevor Lawrence. But they tried to make it a thing where Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer were going to be that tandem, and then we all learned about Urban Meyer. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. But going back to what you're saying about this unique situation – that Cliff and Kyler have. What if it starts to go south? And I don't want to go immediately negative. Like their relationship? Not their relationship. How about just the product? Okay. If the product starts to go south, say, for whatever reason, either defenses figure him out or the offensive play style just becomes too stale. Is it you split them one from the other? Or do you split off from them both? Uh, Like, how tied to the hip are they? Hopefully you're a long way from either of those things happening. Again, I didn't want to go... Pretty catastrophic... Exactly. ...incident to occur, especially with both of them signing contract extensions this offseason. Like, you're, you're a long way from moving on from either one of them. Typically, in professional sports, but also specifically in the NFL, you move on from the coach. You don't move on from the star quarterback because it's so much harder to replace that level of talent. Unless you're the New England Patriots. That, that's the exception to the norm, though. Bill Belichick is not the guy But it's a pretty significant exception. No, yeah, it is. But Tom how Brady's many guys the, in the league can you say that about? Yeah, but is Tom Brady the guy that you move off of? Clearly not. He won a Super Bowl the very next year. No, but that's what I'm saying. You move on from the coach, not the quarterback. But typically. New England didn't. Okay. Okay, you're talking we're, about we're, New England. We're I finding rarities, obviously, in this whole process. Yeah, I, I, I think that the biggest takeaway, and I'm interested to see, do they actually do this again? Does Kyler call plays in the fourth quarter in game two? Or was this just a one-time, quick little, hey, man, I'm going to humble you a little bit by having you call plays for a quarter? Or was it just a throwaway thing? Will Maybe he, it didn't have as much meaning as we think. Will he play at all in the preseason? I think probably. I don't know about game two. Look, based off, of one, based off of one week of games, 
and we'll talk about it more in the next segment. I don't want him touching the field in the preseason. So there's three preseason games now, right? Yes. I can never remember. So okay, there's so, two more. So there's two more. So it used to be, back in the day, you would see all the backups in game one, probably most of game two. Game three used to be the game where you saw your starters. Like, like the big starters week. Yeah, Right. That was the one where you started to see the actual identity of your starting roster. Mm-hmm. But now that you only have three games, maybe game three is kind of like game four used to be, where you don't play any of those guys because you don't want them to get hurt. How many guys did we see around the league this week who are already facing season-ending injuries? I saw the the starting center, Nick Harris, for the uh, Browns. He's out for the the quarterback for the Jets could be two to four weeks. Right. They got a quarterback situation they got to figure out. I hear Sam Darnold's available. (laughs) Um it's it's one of those things where I'm interested to see, is it game two or maybe game three where we see Kyler Murray? I don't know the answer to that yet. Maybe we'll find out this week. Maybe. Speaking of this week, oh, how we've missed this. The NFL season, it's ramping back up. Preseason football, overreactions, all of it around the NFL is next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday takes you around the NFL. Oh, it's so good to be back hearing that NFL Films music. Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. Now, normally in Around the NFL, we talk about all the games that are upcoming on the Sunday or the Thursday night game that had just happened. But... What? There's been four games so far in the preseason. There's a couple going on now. There's not really a lot of games to talk about. There's There's been a lot. There's been two on Thursday, five on Friday. There's a handful going on right now. In general, you know, we don't find it purposeful to talk about games where most of the starters are not going to play. Which kind of kicks off where we want to start with around the NFL. So... Adam Schefter had just reported uh, about an hour ago that Browns starting center Nick Harris has suffered a likely season-ending knee injury, and he could be out for the season. They're waiting for a second opinion. Yeah, we have this conversation every year, right? Somebody inevitably is going to get injured, a starter, a really good player is going to get injured in the preseason, and then we all have to look back on it with you know, hindsight 2020. Was it smart for them to play them or not? Okay, so let's have this conversation then. Because there's only one reason that Nick Harris was out there at all. Deshaun you know Watson? exactly what it is. It was Deshaun Watson. Yeah, well, I mean, even having Deshaun Watson play is something that you could question. I would say that he needs to play because he's brand new to the organization. Sure. Hasn't thrown passes to these receivers before. Sure. So I, I think He's facing a lot of heat right now, though. It's a well, very interesting yeah. decision. I, I agree with you there. Um, the center quarterback relationship is very well, important. Not just the center. They probably had the full first string line out there. They might have. You're not going to put your starting quarterback behind second or third stringers. Sorry. Any, did any first uh, string linemen start for the Cardinals? Will Hernandez? Will Hernandez started. Was that a bad decision? If he got hurt, it was clearly a bad decision. Look, in general, I think it's a bad That's decision. That's not really up to him. Look, Or the you, Cardinals. If you want to get them ready to go for the season, what the hell is this multi-week training camp for? So you're completely against playing starters in the preseason? Specifically starters. Okay. Because they don't need to know if they're good enough to go. It's a risk. This isn't for them. This is clearly not for them. New York Jets, Zach Wilson, 
maybe a meniscus tear in his knee, he's going to be out two to four weeks, according I hate, to Schefter. I hate to laugh at somebody getting injured, but the reason I laugh is because the first quarterback that comes to mind that's available out there... Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. Hey. Sitting in Carolina right now. Baker Mayfield's new to town. They're probably going to fall in love with him. Yeah. Sam Darnold, if he was available, would would the Jets consider trading back for Sam Darnold just to hold it, themselves over for a couple weeks? I think it would be foolish, but they'll probably roll with Mike White. <laughs> the locker room loves the him. legendary Mike White. That'll do it. Uh, he wasn't the only, or those weren't the only guys to get injured so far in this preseason. Uh, star wide receiver Drake London had to leave the Falcons game early due to a knee injury. Um. Haven't heard anything whether it's serious or not, but like, there you go. It's top tier talent. You know they're going to start them, and there they are getting hurt in the first preseason game. Yeah, and the the Falcons, man, they've got a lot of turnover. No more Matt Ryan, no more Julio Jones, obviously. And like, you're counting on London to be a big piece of this. Yeah, new the whole thing with Calvin Ridley. I mean, yeah, that's a big loss. There's no doubt about it. That's a young player too. That's that's no veteran or anything like that. So yeah, you always run a risk when you roll out your starters or players that are going to make the team that you know ahead of time. That's a risk to play them in the preseason, but some guys need to get those reps. I mean, like, what if Trevor Lawrence got hurt in yesterday's game? You know, that's... It's the risk you take. That's the best quarterback they have on a very okay roster. But I suppose you weigh that against, okay, what are, what are the odds that we roll him out on week one, hasn't played at all in the preseason, and he just doesn't click with his receivers or his offensive line or the center. But then what was a month worth of training camp for? Right. You have to be able to do that in training camp, but preseason games do play a role in getting you prepared and getting chemistry built with your teammates. It's a part of it. I'm not saying that they should be playing every snap or every half. That's fair. It's a risky run. Well, speaking of that, um, there's a quarterback competition. You mentioned already Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. That QB competition in Carolina has been on full display so far. They're in the third quarter in D.C., the Panthers against the Commanders. Carson Wentz also played today. Went 10 of 13 with 74 yards. Mayfield went 4 of 7 for 45 he also had two rushing attempts for three yards. Sam Darnold went two of three for 16 and had a touchdown pass. And then P.J. Walker, seven of 12 for 97. The legendary P.J. Walker. Oh, yeah. Went to town on the Cardinals last season, if I remember Super right. Super legendary. Also two for 13 on the ground. The Panthers are interesting. I, I will go back to that quarterback competition. I do think they're going to fall for Baker Mayfield. I think that he's going to end up being the starter. I think he's going to play the majority of the season, assuming he's healthy healthy. Uh, Sam Darnold will probably be that guy that's available for another team to come and get at the right price. I could see them moving on for him for like a conditional mid-round pick. I I can see that happening. I don't know if you heard Dave Burns um, earlier this week. He thinks that this might be the season that Mayfield bounces back and then gets a big payday with a new team. With the Panthers? Like a like a Not re- necessarily re-sign with the Panthers. A... Not necessarily with the Panthers. Okay. But he think he hits it big thanks to this season. Well, but if you're the Panthers, that means that he's killing it for you. You let him go, and then you revert back to Sam Darnold. Are they really <laughs> willing to let that happen? Probably not. I don't know. I would think not. Uh, so Kyler Murray's contract negotiations were a big part of this offseason for Cardinals really? fans. Really? Were they? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Well, in Baltimore, it's a similar situation with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But he's now saying that we're getting into the season. 
regular season's coming up. Let's stop negotiating the contract. He's in the final year of his deal. I think Lamar Jackson has handled this pretty well. He showed up when he was asked to. Uh, he never made a big deal. There was no no letter in all caps. Uh, there was no well, agent he doesn't have an tweeting. agent to type it. Right. He. That's. Uh, I hesitate to be okay with that. I don't love players representing themselves. I do love that players feel confident in themselves that they can do that and that they're handling their own business. I respect that. But for a quarterback who's about to get paid like 200 plus million dollars, get a representative, dude. He's taking a massive risk, but but I think he's if handling anything, it maturely. If anything, he's proving that like he cares more about playing football than he does about the money. And I think he's just confident that he's going to make all the money. And that organization moved off of a Super Bowl winning quarterback for him. Like Joe Flacco was right. not he's not a Manning, he's not a Brady, he's not a Russell Wilson, but, but he won. But he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens and they moved off of him when he was still okay in order to bring in Lamar Jackson. So I think he has a lot of trust in the organization. Okay, how about this? Hatgate, let's call it. How do you like that? Hatgate? Is that what we're calling it? The it- Shanna Hat. In a recent appearance on KNBR, which is a San Francisco-based station, Shanahan, being Kyle. Kyle Shanahan, complained about rules limiting his potential hat selections. Here's the quote. You ready? I have such beef with them right now. Without referring to who them is. I think he means the league. He went on as to say, it's a tough issue going on. They won't let me pick out my own one. They won't let me wear any one that's from a prior year. So I can't wear like an older one. I've got to wear the new ones they give me this year. Fortunately, there's none I like wearing. So hopefully we can figure it out or wait till salute to service. You know what this reminds me of? This is the Antonio Brown, I want to wear my helmet. Thing. Remember that a couple years ago? Sure. Was that last? No, that wasn't no, last that was, that was a couple seasons That was ago. when the Raiders were still in Oakland. Yeah. That was that whole thing where he was like, I want to wear the helmet that I've always worn. And the league is like, no, we've moved on to new branding of helmets and you need to wear one. Well, I'll tell you and what. he refused. Shanahan's got a supporter in his own division. First off, though, I got to vi- voice my support all right, for Kyle Shanahan's hat because I've seen that they're trying to make him change and I just want to say let my guy live. I mean, he's been one of the most swaggy coaches for his entire <laughs> career on the sideline and um, I'm not sure if y'all have seen the camouflage pattern that they offer to us but it's not it's not doing it and if you're in a deer blind in New Braunfels, Texas you can pull it up but not on the sideline. So Kyle I got you buddy. Thank you. <laughs> If any head coach in the league gets to comment on another coach's <laughs> swagginess, I feel like it's probably Cliff Kingsbury. It's got to be Cliff Kingsbury, right? I, Second to Sean McVay, maybe. So here's what's happening. This is my understanding of it. Kyle Shanahan wears those flat-billed hats. Correct. He loves to wear those. It's like it's like Belichick with his hoodies, He chooses right? them. They're custom Right. Picks. He custom makes them with an organization that used to do the hats for uh, MLB. Used to be like the branding of the, or not the MLB, the NFL. And my understanding is that they have now moved on to a new branding or company, mm-hmm. and he's still stuck on the old ones that he designed, and they're like, no, we control everything in this league. We get to pick what shoes the players wear on the field in pregame. We're going to get to pick your hat. I think that's the battle that's happening here. The he, NFL likes to have its hands in everything. He went on to say, I don't want to go too hard and get fined or anything, but trust me, trust me, I'm upset about it. <laughs> this is so trivial. But you know what? I respect the hat. I am going to fight for Kyle Shanahan's hat. The Shanahan hat.
as we're calling it. Hat gate, Shanna hat. I like Shanna hat. Shanna hat. We gotta stop doing the gate thing with yeah, everything. Gate's becoming tired because Watergate was the name of the hotel. It's like calling yeah Watergate, but that was that was it. Like it's Frankenstein's monster, not Frankenstein. Frankenstein was the doctor. We gotta stop putting gate at the end of everything. All right, do you want to talk to Tyler now? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do Coming do up that. next, Cardinals made work of the Bengals last night. So who stood out the most? Tyler Drake, our lead Cardinals writer for ArizonaSports.com. He's Tyler next, Gate. kicking off hour number two of Arizona Sports Saturday.